The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box this Monday morning. In your headlines, second wave fears hit Spain as the UK causes travel chaos with an overnight decision to quarantine travellers from the country, sparking outrage from Madrid and travel operators. We must be able to take swift, decisive action. Otherwise, we risk reinfection into the UK, uh, uh, potentially a second wave here, and then another lockdown. The gold price hits a record high as Chinese authorities take over the U.S. consulate in Chengdu, sparking a flight to safe haven assets amid escalating tension between Beijing and Washington. Republican lawmakers reportedly reach a deal on the next relief bill in a move that would hand out direct cash payments as well as commit to 70% wage replacement, helping to push U.S. futures higher in early trade. And acquisition unwound. The German software company SAP says it will float Qualtrics just two years after buying the US consumer monitor firm for $8 billion. We're going to break SAP's full results in the next couple of moments. Right, good morning everybody. Lots going on over the weekend. Lots going on, of course, with the relationship between the United States and indeed China as well with the closing of that consulate in Chengdu. But a lot going on here in Europe as well. And uh, as you saw in our headlines, the UK and other countries, it has to be said, taking swift action over concerns about a COVID-19 increase in Spain as well. We'll come to that with Charlotte in a few moments time. But the likes of the airline industry, which have been struggling to get themselves up and running again, uh, really under a huge amount of pressure. And we've just had numbers hitting the wires uh, from Ryanair, a whole host of numbers just coming through. So let's just give you uh, some of the uh, top headlines we're seeing from Ryanair this morning. Um, the group talking about discussions ongoing with aircraft suppliers to reduce aircraft um, supplies, um, to reduce aircraft lease rates and purchase rates. Uh, expects to emerge from the COVID-19 with a much lower cost base uh, to focus on cash preservation generation over the next 24 months. They said they had 3.9 billion uh, in cash as of the 30th of June, owns 333 unencumbered B737s with a book value of approximately 7 billion uh, euros as well. Right, revenue in the three months to the end of June. Um, Looks like it was down uh, 95% to 125 million euros. Passenger numbers down 99% to 500,000. But they have got their costs down. I'm afraid a lot of that is down to staff. Um, unfortunately, many furloughs, but of course, uh, reducing staff numbers as well, uh, down 85%. Uh, the CF is saying providing a little price stimulation, uh, but not a huge amount. 30% uh, of fuel is hedged to full year 2022. No mad rush to increase that as well. Further cost uh, base closures possible in Spain and Italy, depending on safe 
talked as well there. Cash burn is above break even now as well. And the UK decision, this is the latest news as well, UK decision to reintroduce quarantine for Spain, regrettable. Uh, no plans from them though to cut capacity. So uh, a devastatingly tough time for the industry at the moment as well. Uh, and again, a huge number of holidaymakers, Jeff, who had just literally got themselves in Spain. They land the wheels down and then they find out they've got to quarantine for an extra two weeks when they get back. And that's very tough, of course, uh, from an employment point of view for many of them when they return. But nice to see you this morning, my friend. Yeah, very good morning to you, Steve. It feels like we've swapped places from the end of last week, doesn't it? You're now back working from yeah, what home. What were you doing in my house? And I'm back. I, well, you know, I love your sofa, by the way. That's very comfortable. I'm thinking about getting one of those for myself. Um, look, as long as it's just a sofa, my friend. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the terrible thing is you could hear, I think, after that announcement on Spain, you could hear the ripping up of plans up and down the country here in the UK as people suddenly realised that if the government can pivot in 24 hours, no place around the world is necessarily a safe destination for a holiday unless you're planning to build in 14 weeks of uh, staying at home and self-quarantining afterwards. So this is a horrendous story for the airline sector and a very difficult story, it seems to me, for the travel industry going forward from here. But we'll no doubt talk some more about this through the rest of the morning. I've got to pivot to the SAP numbers so we'll pick up with you in just a moment, Steve. SAP, then the headline on the earnings, resilient amid COVID-19 crisis, sharp increase in operating and free cash flow. That's the spin that SAP are putting on it. The uh, group reporting a strong current cloud backlog of 6.65 billion euros. That's up 21% in constant currencies. In terms of drilling down into other parts of the business here, the group talking about operating cash flow up 41% free cash flow up 59% in the first six months. EPS in at 73 euro cents. That's up 54% here. The group reconfirming its guidance. The group says uh, it has confirmed second quarter non-IFRS operating profit uh, up 7% at constant currencies to 1.964 billion euros. And a few more lines here on the Qualtrics listing. Uh, the group uh, had announced uh, coming into these earnings its intent to take the Qualtrics segment uh, public. A uh, few more details. The CFO uh, says the size of the Qualtrics IPO to be determined uh, notes that the uh, floating of a uh, 10 to 15% stake is typical uh, for tech businesses. The uh, group says the spin-off would enable Qualtrics to achieve its full potential with greater autonomy. Uh, let me just see if there are any other lines in here that we can uh, uh, give you. Um, the group CEO says, uh, we're happy to see strong sequential improvement in software license revenue and a strong and robust margin expansion. Our broad solution uh, portfolio um, is also allowing them to develop predictable revenue and to manage the COVID-19 crisis through this quarter. So the group, uh, I would say, uh, giving us an announcement um, that is upbeat in spite of some of the challenges that we're seeing with all businesses as a result of uh, COVID-19. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, 
SAP planning then to float its Qualtrics business just two years after acquiring the American Software Experience Group for $8 billion. The German software business has not given a time frame for the IPO, but is unlikely to impact SAP's 2020 or longer term targets as it retains a majority stake. The British government has reinstated a 14-day quarantine on travellers arriving from Spain. The government citing a spike in coronavirus cases in the country as justification for reintroducing the quarantine measures. UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab defending the government's actions, adding there's no guarantee other countries will not be removed from the so-called safe list. Because the cases in Spain, the data we got was on the Friday. You obviously compile that through the course of the day. It showed a big jump right across mainland Spain. That was then assessed uh, yesterday afternoon and we took the decision as swiftly as we could. And look, we, we, we can't t make apologies for doing so. We must be able to take swift, decisive action, particularly in relation to... Uh, localised or internationally in relation to Spain, a, a particular country, where we see uh, we must take action. Otherwise, we risk reinfection into the UK, uh, uh, potentially a second wave here, and then another lockdown. Uh, Dominic Raab there. Well, let's get Charlotte in on the conversation and Steve will join the doubt. Charlotte, let's start with you here. Can we perhaps focus on the Spanish reaction to this? Because I think Dominic Raab has made it clear that this is about protecting lives in the UK at this point, And we may get more of these changes to travel guidance depending on specific country cases. What has been the reaction in Spain? Good morning, Jeff. Where, as you remember, Spain reopened its borders only on June 21st in the hope to bring back some tourists. Uh, of course, the UK is a crucial market for uh, Spain. It's the top uh, nationality coming to Spain. It's about 20% of all tourists last year. So this is a real blow for Spain and for the Spanish economy because, of course, tourism is about 12% of the country's GDP. Now, you remember the UK still had a quarantine in place until July 10th. So Spain was eagerly waiting for the quarantine to be lifted to see British tourists come back to the country. Uh, but now, again, this, this hope has been uh, quashed. So we heard yesterday from the Foreign Affairs Minister, Arancha Gonzalez-Laya. She gave a, a press conference yesterday. and She kept insisting that Spain is a safe country for tourists and that uh, there are outbreaks like in other European countries, but that they are perfectly controlled. Um, so uh, there is now the country is focusing on negotiating with the UK to exclude the Balearic and Canary Islands from this quarantine because the pandemic there has been very much under control and there's almost no cases there. So they're trying to negotiate to uh, exempt these two regions for for, for, from this quarantine in the hope that some of the tourism uh, money can still come into the country during this summer. Uh, the announcement from the UK actually came after other European countries put some measures in place uh, in regards to Spain. We heard from Norway on Friday uh, putting back in place a 10-day quarantine for people coming back from Spain. Uh, France as well advised against travelling uh, to Catalonia also on Friday and also in talks with the Spanish government to reduce traffic flows between the two countries. Now to give you an idea of what the health situation is in Spain, um, th there's very much a focus on, on two regions, uh, Aragon and Catalonia that have been the focus where they see uh, 
some community transmission of uh, COVID-19 in those regions. In Catalonia, for example, you had almost 900 new cases in the past 24 hours alone. And that's more than 7,700 cases in just one week, just in Catalonia. However, the Spanish authorities insist that um, the people are diagnosed because there, there is more testing. It's the younger people that are infected, people are being treated better, the vulnerable are being shielded. And they actually saw only 12 deaths in the past five days. So then sees that again, there's some, there's some transmission, but actually everything is under control, that the individual regions have put measures in place to try and control this outbreak. But of course, there are concerns in other European countries that are themselves coming out of lockdowns uh, that one of these clusters, one of these outbreaks could get out of control and uh, worrying that this could spread again uh, through Europe. So now this is a big blow for Spain, as we just said, uh, the, the economy forecast to be down 12 percent uh, this year. They were hoping for a bit of a summer boost, but this latest news from the UK uh, could be a, a big blow to the Spanish economy, Jeff. All right. Thank you so much, Charlotte. We'll uh, we'll move on on that story. Global coronavirus cases have passed the 16 million mark as the pandemic continues to rage around the world. Over 4 million people have now been infected in the US, which leads the count, followed by 2.4 million in Brazil and 1.3 million in India. Meanwhile, North Korea has now declared a state of emergency in a border town after its first suspected coronavirus case. The country's leader, Kim Jong-un, ordered a local lockdown in what he called a, quote, critical situation. Uh, Let's quickly have a look through the uh, US markets here. As we set up for this fresh trading week, I think it's just worth revisiting how we closed out the trading session on Friday. And as you can see here, we ended that session in uh, negative territory. The picture on the Asian markets has been a a little bit mixed. Um, We've had some complicating factors. So we had Hong Kong launching its new tech bourse. It came out of the gate strongly, but then we've seen some weakness. Um, China's done better on some renewed um, economic data suggesting an improvement in the tone of the economy. Uh, And Japan, well, Japan has never really managed to get out of uh, first gear this morning. And we continue to get concerns around spikes in cases in Tokyo. Again, over the weekend, we saw another important rise in figures in Japan. So that's given us a bit of a mixed picture as far as the legacy coming out of Asia at this hour. That leads us into the opening calls for Europe. And uh, the picture at the moment is that we might get a slightly positive start to the trading session here. But as you can see, there isn't a whole lot to uh, to steer us forward in terms of these numbers. And one suspects that part of the reason is that even as the market is trying to be optimistic about the hopes for things like uh, a trillion dollar stimulus package uh, from the United States here, Steve, on the other side of the ledger, we've now got this big 16 million figure four fresh cases and a million more added over the last four days or so. So really giving lie to the claims that some governments have been making that they are on top of the coronavirus outbreaks at the moment. 
So, so here's the thing. We, we are clearly not on top of the infections rate in so many countries, whether it's Brazil, whether it's India, possibly Russia, certainly the United States. Uh, and of course, the re-emergence in Europe that we were just talking about with Charlotte uh, is a great worry as well. But, but, uh, but are we on top of various parts of the equation? Because the infection story, it seems it's going to spike left, right and centre. We were already thinking, of course, uh, about a spike in the autumn. But, but in terms of how we cope with it, uh, when it happens as well, in terms of, dare I say, hospitalizations, dare I say, in terms of ICU, in terms of our preparation for uh, protective equipment as well, and uh, also protecting certain parts of society as well, uh, and confirming that we're not going to have the same kind of mortality rate that we had throughout the first wave as well. So I think it's very interesting that these markets, if they want to carry on propelling themselves higher, are going to have to look at perhaps more nuances about this until and if and when we get the vaccine, i.e., okay, infections are going to pick up. We're just going to have to perhaps live with that as a society, as economies, as a global economy for a while. But is that going to mean the same thing that it meant first time? around. And my hope, rather than my expectation, because I, again, like we always have to put the caveat, we are no medical experts. It seems that countries are better prepared in terms of their health services, uh, better equipped in terms of the knowledge of how to treat as well, uh, and have a lot more facilities now than they previously had as well. So if the markets want to carry on rallying, uh, regardless of what's going on with infection rates and mortality rates as well, maybe they have to look at the nuances uh, of what's going on as well, Jeff. And I know you want to talk about how we are perhaps rotating away from US and tech at the moment into some other geographies. So we'll catch up on this very shortly. Also, big moves in the dollar overnight. So we'll also talk a little bit more about that. Also, a sign of the times, the US closes its consulate in Chengdu as tensions with China worsen. We'll tell you how that happened. And for more on second wave concerns in Europe and all our headlines, check out the Squawk Box podcast. We'll be right back, everybody. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. You're watching Squawkbox. The U.S. has closed its consulate in Chengdu days after it was ordered to shut by Beijing. The facility became caught in the crosshairs of a diplomatic row after Washington ordered China to shut its consulate in Houston, Texas. A statement from the Foreign Affairs Ministry said authorities took over the premises shortly after the consulate closed. Meanwhile, industrial profits in China apparently grew at their fastest rate since March 2019, rising 11.5% in June. It's the second consecutive month of growth. Let's uh, bring Sam into the conversation here. And um, I wouldn't say that one piece of information directly contradicts another, Sam, but it is interesting that the Chinese can continue to report improving industrial profits, even as we see relations with the world's largest economy weaken. 
Yeah, that's right, Jeff. I mean, it certainly seems that uh, these rising geopolitical tensions don't seem to be having uh, an effect on the macro side of things. So as you've said, the, the, the profits uh, earned by China's industrial firms jumped to double digits a year on year in the month of June from May's 6% rise, according to the National Bureau of Statistics. As you mentioned, it was the quickest growth we have seen uh, since March 2019. So certainly very encouraging uh, signs there. From January to June, they fell 12.8% year on year, which was better than that 19.3% uh, decline uh, in the first five months of the year, certainly adding to the signs that China's economic recovery uh, is picking up speed and certainly consistent with a lot of that positive and better than expected data that we have seen coming out of the mainland uh, for the second quarter. Of course, we did see that uh, better than expected GDP number. The Bureau says that this was mainly down to falling costs and improving profits in industries such as steel, oil and gas. But uh, they did still want that you know demand uh, still remains sluggish amid the impacts of the coronavirus uh, outside of, of China. Certainly, we are seeing a spike of cases and, and lockdowns in other countries, and that still may weigh on export orders for manufacturers. And so, there are still concerns about just how sustainable this profit growth is actually um, going to be moving forward. Now, investors, though, you know, have largely been betting on a much quicker economic recovery in China uh, than other parts of the world, and so over. Overall, you know, this headline number today um, has perhaps lifted sentiment over on the mainland market, certainly in morning trade, uh, particularly after that slump we saw uh, on Friday as a result of those rising uh, US-China tensions. And uh, that friction, though, um, still perhaps may be capping gains today as uh, China, as you mentioned, confirmed that it had now officially closed the US consulate in Chengdu uh, at 10 a.m. this morning after giving it uh, 72 hours to do so in response to the Houston closure. Um, but I think it's interesting to point out that uh, it also uh, comes as we are seeing a report today um, which has said that thousands of state-owned firms and local governments um, are going to be expanding hiring to help uh, graduates um, secure jobs in a market that, of course, we have been talking about that's been severely impacted by the impacts of the virus. And so we've got oil giant Sinopac uh, rep rep reportedly uh, more than doubling its recruitment uh, numbers uh, with over 3,000 uh, jobs for graduates. And I think this is significant because, of course, we have nine million students graduating from uh, Chinese universities and uh, job stability is important for political stability in China. Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there have been unofficial reports that uh, the unemployed have been protesting in some parts of China. Difficult always to confirm some of the uh, videos that you see, but it does suggest that there is some discontent about the state of the economy at the moment. Just circling back, though, Sam, to the relationship with the United States, we were talking last week about some of the speculation about the U.S. presence in Hong Kong. Do we have any more information at this point about what other actions uh, the U.S. may take at this stage to disentangle its diplomatic presence uh, either with the Chinese in the United States or potentially under pressure from Beijing in China itself. 
Uh, well, that's a very good question, Jeff. And of course, we have seen uh, the US, uh, you know, targeting Hong Kong or going after Hong Kong uh, as part of this broader geopolitical tension between uh, Beijing uh, and Washington and certainly stripping it of its uh, economic uh, status, which would uh, blow it, you know, wide open to things like tariffs and sanctions. And as a result of that, uh, we have seen, uh, you know, banks in China certainly putting uh, reports, at least, uh, putting in contingency plans, uh, you know, in anticipation uh, for a lot of these uh, the, these um, uh, uh, the, these developments. Uh, but certainly uh, we are waiting to see, uh, you know, what the U.S. Uh, intends to do, uh, you know, about Hong Kong. And certainly we have seen a ratcheting up uh, uh, in terms of how much, you know, Donald Trump has been uh, hitting up, uh, hitting out against China in the lead up to this uh, uh, U.S. election in November. We've, we've seen a ratcheting up, uh, certainly in terms of uh, Huawei, uh, Hong Kong, Xinjiang, uh, the South China Sea goes on. And I think, you know, this um, consulate closing and this tit for tat measure that we've seen between uh, Beijing and Washington with regard to the consulate closures uh, is certainly a sign of, uh, you know, a, a dramatic escalation in the deterioration of this relationship uh, between uh, Beijing and Washington, Jeff. OK, Sam, thank you. We'll see you a little bit later on. Uh, let's pick up on the Huawei issue. HSBC shares lower in Hong Kong after the bank denied reports in China's state media that it framed Huawei and played a role in the arrest of its CFO, Meng Wanzhou. The lender said it only provided factual information to US authorities after requests from the DOJ. HSBC added it has no malice against the telecoms equipment maker Meng Wanzhou, the daughter of the Huawei founder Ren Zhengfei, was arrested in Canada in 2018 on allegations that she had evaded U.S. sanctions on Iran. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.